The connection you have with your family, for better or for worse, is one like no other. There's a bond formed with those in your family that is specific and can be all-encompassing. For 29-year-old Grant, his family had been there in a way that I think is quite rare. He disappointed them, betrayed them and lied to them over and over again, but each time they'd taken him back into their lives and the family home. They'd supported him and genuinely tried to do everything in their power to help him to get to a better place in his life. But his own brother Cody told his girlfriend that he was worried Grant might snap and that he could kill them all. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. This show is made from various source documents listed in the show notes. I use news archives, documentary footage and court documents, and so the episodes are accurate to the source material I can find. You can find all episodes as a podcast version in the description box down below. Chad Amato married Margaret, who already had a son, Jason, from a previous relationship. Chad had adopted Jason when he was just three years old, and it wasn't long after that, the couple decided to have a child of their own, a son who they called Cody. And then two years later, they had another son, Grant. The family of five had a pretty comfortable life, they lived in a big house with a lot of land in a nice area of Florida, and Chad worked as a pharmacist whilst Margaret worked at a medical coding company. The family were doing so well financially that they even bought a second home, this time in Tennessee, and Chad and Margaret decided that they were going to move there once they'd both retired. Jason was a little bit older, and so by the time that he had moved out, Grant and Cody had become super close. They both went to nursing school and they soon started working at Advent Health Orlando Hospital. Alongside this, they were still living with their parents and so saw each other all the time. By all accounts, Cody was a great nurse. He got on with everyone incredibly well, he was great at handling stresses and he would always keep calm in difficult situations. Grant, on the other hand, did not have a good time at work. He found he just wasn't progressing in the way that Cody was. And in 2018, things were really taking a turn for the worse when Grant was found to have been stealing drugs from work and going on to sell them. He was eventually arrested on charges of grand theft, but he swore that he only ever took these drugs to give to patients he believed weren't being given the correct treatment. He's trying to disguise his drug dealing as a good deed and in his eyes, a very necessary thing that he was doing. Although it seemed there was ample evidence up to this point, the hospital decided not to press charges through to conviction and ultimately, Grant was let off. I remember hearing about a doctor who was fired from a number of hospitals for dangerous behaviour and practices, but he never actually got charged with anything because there's something about hospitals not wanting to get authorities involved because it can go against them as a hospital. They can get sued, their reputation can be in tatters and so oftentimes they'll just fire the person and kind of ignore that it's happened which of course allows that person to go on and work somewhere else. That being said it might have been difficult for Grant to actually get a good reference for a new hospital and to be honest even if it wasn't Grant likely assumed that it would be difficult and this led to him isolating himself and just not looking for more work. Instead he shut himself in his room sleeping during the day 
and playing video games and streaming on online during night. He was living with his parents and his time spent online streaming especially was on Twitch. It was time that he could get away from his home life and the disappointment of having been fired for stealing drugs. Instead, he presented himself to his online friends as a man who was doing incredibly well for himself, both financially and socially. It's not surprising that at some point during his time online, he stumbled deeper and deeper into fantasy and further and further away from reality. At one point, he began accessing a number of adult sites, including one called My Free Cams. It's described as a website that provides live webcam performances by models, typically featuring nudity or sexual activity. But, and just a note on this, it is not free at all. It is a paid-for service and it can add up to a lot of money. When Grant went on this particular site, he would always watch this one woman and he began to become pretty obsessed with her. This woman, Sylvie Vences Lavova, did shows that cost 90 tokens per minute. I did the maths of that amount I could find online, which was 5,000 tokens for over $600. So it looks like these 90 tokens would cost about $10. I've seen it reported that Grant would spend four hours per night with Sylvie, which would total about 2,400 tokens. It became an extremely expensive habit, especially when we know that Grant had no job and he'd spend his time online streaming, but not necessarily earn any money. Now, on top of the money he was spending consuming Sylvie's content, Grant also started sending her expensive gifts, including lingerie and sex toys, where there was this kind of interactive element and he could buy her these things and then see her using them while she was on webcam. On top of this, he would often watch Sylvie's shows with other users on the website and these men would tip Sylvie with tokens and if one person tipped 10 tokens, the next would tip 20 and then the next would tip 40. It's like they were in some kind of competition or just sort of massaging their egos. And for Grant, it's clear that there's a lack of understanding about what this transaction truly is. Grant would be spending money on the website and on her content, but he started to think that he and Sylvie had a relationship that went beyond the boundaries of work for her. He even started complaining about sending her money, not ever saying that he couldn't afford it, but rather saying that it made him feel weird for paying for her videos. And could he, quote, pretty please have videos for free. The video that he sends to her with this information is not only cringy, it's very creepy. This woman is doing her job and he's engaged with her through a website, but there is this significant shift at this point where Grant is clearly ignoring that and potentially starting to believe there's more to this with Sylvie and that she may even feel the same way. All right, Sylvia, look at me. I am... I'm outside going to check the mail and I'm asking you if you can please, pretty please, send me one of your videos. I just, I, I love it so much when you just send them to me. Yeah, I, I don't like buying your stuff. It makes me feel weird. Could you please send me one though? I'm not really sure why he would believe this. Over the course of just three months, he spent over $200,000 on tokens for this website. He had paid nearly a quarter of a million dollars for a service. 
How's he suddenly thinking that this is some kind of two-way relationship? He hasn't even met her in physical life. $200,000 is so much money. And we know that Grant is not working at this time in his life. And so then the question becomes, where did he get this money from? He was living under his parents' roof. And it turns out he used this to his advantage. He took a $65,000 loan out in his dad's name and against the family home. And on top of that, he also stole a further $85,000 combined from both of his parents. And his dad was due to retire, but he actually had to hold off his retirement plans and continue working because he now had these huge debts to pay off. Grant also stole a further $50,000 from his brother, this brother that he had been super close to, even gone to nursing school with and worked at the same hospital. Cody. But once he'd stolen that money and there was none left to steal, he had to start getting creative with what he was taking. And so he moved on to stealing and selling expensive things. And that started with his brother Cody's gun collection. He stole a number of these guns, sold them, and then, of course, used that money to continue buying tokens. When his family inevitably found out about the money that Grant had stolen from them, They were obviously flipping furious, but more so than that, they actually sought to understand why he'd done it. Honestly, this case is confusing for a number of reasons, but given the kind of parents that Chad and Margaret seemed to be, and especially how they had brought up Jason and Cody, it's even more baffling with what happens. But Grant wasn't going to come clean to them about why he'd actually stolen the money, and so instead he made up this huge excuse and utter lie about why he needed the money. His family knew that he was a streamer and that he spent a lot of time online and Grant had made up this narrative that his Twitch channel was doing extremely well and he'd used that money to, the money that he'd stolen to invest in his Twitch channel and it was becoming a source of income and a a viable successful career choice for him. We know now with all of the evidence and 2020 vision of hindsight that this just wasn't the case. And remember that Grant had created this false persona, both on Twitch and with the way that he presented himself to Sylvie, pretending that he's this really financially successful bachelor. And maybe there was a part of him that truly believed that about himself or at the very least believed that he could get there one day. But right now, that was a complete lie. His Twitch was not on its way to a huge success and he wasn't using any of the money for Twitch. He was, in fact, as we know, buying tokens to spend on my free camps. Despite all of this and the fact that Grant had literally stolen from him, in December of 2018, Cody paid for Grant to come with him and a friend on a holiday of a lifetime to Japan. He knew that Grant was struggling and didn't have the money to cover the expense and so in what became clear through my research as a testament to the kind of person Cody was in terms of kindness and openness and care for everyone, but especially his family members, Cody told Grant he would pay for everything. He just wanted to spend some time with him and for him to refine his purpose and start making good decisions for the future, including hopefully getting a job once they returned. But whilst they were on this holiday, Grant snuck off for a few hours, managed to gain access to the internet, and he tried to access my free cams. 
and he attempted to steal money from the friend that they were on holiday with so that he could buy tokens for my free camps. Now, of course, when they all returned home, things just went from bad to worse. And after what had been a pretty amazing trip and break away from normal life, other than that little blip that Grant had, he returned home and sadly returned to life as normal, sleeping during the day, engaging with Sylvie at night. The fact that Grant wasn't being proactive in what he was doing with his life and the fact that he was seemingly in a depressive state, his mum Margaret was worried about what he might do, especially with regards to himself. There were reportedly a lot of arguments throughout the following weeks and months and this led to Grant basically running away from home. Obviously, he is a grown adult. He can leave whenever he wants, but given his depression and how crap his life has been on this sort of downward spiral, much of this through his own actions, I hasten to add. But because of this, his mum's obviously very worried about him. And so she reported him as missing. It wasn't long after that, that Grant's grandma called the family home and let them know that Grant had turned up at her house. He was safe and he just wanted to stay with her for a little while. It's her grandson and she had no problem in letting him stay. But also, she knew how worried Margaret had been and so she made sure that she let her know what was going on. Soon after this, however, Grant's grandma noticed that there had been suspicious activity on her credit card. And when she looked closer, she could see that the activity was on my free cams website and from what i can see it doesn't look like grant's family knew the truth about what he'd been spending their money on it was only now that they realized they learned the whole truth not only had he been spending their money on my free cams but he'd also been lying to them about it for the entire time and so by now his family really had had enough they loved grant but there was only so much that they could take they decided to go up to the grandmother's house and stage a kind of intervention. They made Grant agree to pay every single penny back of what he'd stolen. And on top of that, they told him that he clearly had an addiction and needed some professional help. And so they drove him to a rehab facility where they checked him into this 60-day programme for sex and pornography addiction. The programme itself was extremely expensive for these two months it was going to cost fifteen thousand dollars and that was to be paid up front we know grant obviously couldn't afford to pay this but his brother cody agreed to pay it an extremely generous thing to do but grant didn't really seem to care about that he did not take the program seriously and although he stayed over the christmas period he bailed out after just two weeks now, of course, he had nowhere to go but back to his parents. And look, I'm not a parent, so I can't say what I'd do in this situation. But it is clear that both Margaret and Chad and even Cody, although they were fed up of Grant's behaviour, they just couldn't abandon him. They obviously believed that they could help him in some kind of way. And they did. Margaret and Chad let him come back into the house with them. But they said that this time things were going to be different. Chad had changed the password on Grant's computer. They knew he needed to be free of all temptation and so he would only be allowed to use the computer with permission from Chad and he would not be able to use it past midnight. 
And on top of this, they told him that he needed to get a job as well as absolutely no contact with the MyFreeCams website. And if he did, they'd have no choice but to make him leave the family home and he really would be out on his own. I don't think that Grant was ever planning to abide by these rules, especially the one big rule about not contacting Sylvie or going on that website. He actually ended up writing to some of his streaming gaming pals. I lied to her and you guys from the beginning about myself. I'm not a professional gamer, did not own my own house, and did not drive a BMW. He then went on to try and excuse his behaviour. However, arguments continued ensuing in the house. And on the 24th of January, Chad told Grant it was time to leave. The family had given him so much kindness and patience, and they really had supported him when he had continually lied to them. This must have been a really hard decision, but ultimately Chad had made it and Grant had to leave. The following day, Cody's colleagues became concerned when he did not turn up to work his shift at the hospital. It was completely out of character for Cody to just miss a day of work, but what was even more worrying was that if anything bad had come up, any kind of emergency or anything like that, he 100% would have called them to let them know. But with no word from Cody... One of his colleagues decided to call Cody's girlfriend to check in with her. But that colleague got some truly concerning news. She also hadn't heard from Cody and was unable to get in contact with him at all. And so that's when the colleague decided to call the police and ask for a welfare check. It was at 9.17am that morning that police arrived at the family home. They managed to gain entry and what they found inside was chilling. Walking into the main lobby area of the house, the officers could see that there was a man laying face up on the kitchen floor and it was clear to them that he had been shot to death. After that, they continued through, unsure what they'd find. And as they walked through towards the back of the house, that's when they came across Cody. He was lying on the floor near to the garage door that led into the house. And that garage door was open now, what was curious to the officers was that the the door had blood spatter on it that, on further investigation, showed the door had been closed when Cody had been shot. He also had a gun holster on his left hip, but Cody was right-handed, and so this didn't make sense unless it had been planted. Finally, upstairs, they found Margaret, who was sat at her office desk. She'd obviously been shot while she was working, and she was shot in the back of the head and never would have seen it coming. Of course, the officers knew that they needed to speak to Grant and they needed to find him as soon as possible. They didn't know what kind of state he was, they didn't know if he'd witnessed any of this or if he was armed and, very likely, dangerous. The investigating team quickly realised on searching the house that Grant's car was missing from the family garage and so they managed to use that number plate to track it down and they found it at a car park at a Hilton hotel and after talking with hotel staff they learned that he was staying at that hotel and was currently in his room. Now they did not know what to expect in terms of if he was going to come willingly or if he was going to get violent. Thankfully though Grant wasn't aggressive and he did come willingly and the body cam footage shows him holding his hands up and then lying down on the floor so that they can handcuff him and so they then travel back to the police station where they question him. 
Grant told the investigating officers that he'd had an argument with his dad, Chad, regarding the money that he'd stolen and about the fact that he was still talking to Sylvie. Grant is still delusional at this point, making out that he is in a relationship with Sylvie and he said how unfair it had been for him as his parents didn't see this relationship for what it truly was. The argument then continued with Chad telling Grant that he needed to leave the house and then Grant said he left the house. In the interrogation, Grant occasionally swears and then he apologises. It, it seems he's a bit embarrassed about swearing. This man has murdered, potentially, murdered his entire family and he's worried about swearing. No one is judging him for swearing. Either way, the detectives needed this explanation for what had happened and Grant said he could give it to them. He suspected that Cody had been the one to kill his parents before taking his own life. That was the most likely explanation for what had happened. Cody had even said that he would take care of things when Grant was ordered to leave the house. Of course, the detectives didn't believe him. And after all Cody had done for him, the fact that Grant then tried to blame him for, spoiler alert, what he'd done is, I I wanted to say unbelievable, but I suppose it's not really, is it? It's absolutely something that Grant would do. Grant's brother Jason was allowed into this interrogation room and the pair share a hug and then Grant went on to swear that he did not know who had killed Margaret, Chad and Cody but Jason has already been briefed by the officers and he knew exactly what had been going on in the house so he had his suspicions straight away. He even said to Grant that things were not adding up but he, he didn't want to believe the worst. He needed to ask Grant face to face if he had anything to do with the murders, to which Grant said no. And it's clear that Jason's just desperate for there to be any other kind of an explanation. At one point asking if there was someone that Grant maybe owed money to, if there was perhaps a loan shark. But Grant assures him that there is no one he could think of. Jason's not stupid. He he wants to believe Grant, but he just doesn't. He keeps saying that things aren't adding up and none of this is making sense. I'm scared for myself and I don't feel comfortable with you being around me alone. I'm sorry. I could take you physically, but if you have a knife or know where a gun is, I'm And I have little girls that I have to raise. I have a woman that is depending on me for the rest of my life. After that, Jason leaves the interrogation room and then the detectives have to decide what to do. They knew that the crime scene did not add up to a murder-suicide and they had plenty of suspicions about Grant. But they did not have the evidence that they needed to hold him. And so, and this is surprising given what we know, but... There's just not a huge amount that can be done if you don't have the evidence. You don't have the evidence. And so they let Grant leave. Thankfully, though, it wasn't long before they managed to gain genuine evidence from both Grant's remaining family member, Jason, as well as the people who knew the family and the situation. Specifically, they spoke to um, Cody's girlfriend, who told them more detailed information about exactly what Grant had done over the past few months and how it was building up to the point that 
Cody even confided in his girlfriend that he was worried about Grant's behaviour and that he might try and kill everyone in the family. With that, along with more evidence they'd found through their investigation, Grant was officially arrested on three counts of premeditated first-degree murder, all of which he pleaded not guilty to. Grant obviously could not afford his own bail, which was posted at three lots of $250,000, each one for each count of murder he'd been charged with. So three quarters of a million dollars is a lot of money. He just doesn't have that. Now, at first, it seemed it didn't matter to Grant that he couldn't afford his bond. But, and I think this really speaks to his narcissism, he spent the next few days and weeks while he was being held up in prison awaiting trial writing to journalists and reporters, offering them exclusive rights to the whole case from his view. All that he wanted in return was to be put in touch with a very rich person who would lend him this three quarters of a million bond money. Unsurprisingly, it doesn't look like he got any responses. Certainly, no one ever paid that amount. And so he had to stay behind bars until trial. The trial began and the prosecution presented a letter that had been written by Grant to his streaming friends. I lied to her and you guys from the beginning about myself. I felt intimidated from the onset of the room environment and felt like I had to be something far more unique than I was. My family found out about her, the website, and all the money I had been spending on everything. They would not have this and subsequently ambushed me where I was staying and forcefully signed me into a clinic in Fort Lauderdale here in Florida. This was an addiction clinic. They felt that I had an unhealthy addiction because of the type of profession Sylvie has and the quantity of money that I had spent in the span of six months that I had known her. I was not allowed to leave the clinic, while, and while I was there, I was not allowed to access to, on the, to the internet, I did not have access to my phone, I did not have access to my computer. I was admitted in there until I was able to convince my family that I was fine and able to be released on January 9th. By this time, the damage was done. My family had hacked my computer at home, gained access to my phone records, and all my personal things related to Sylvie. They then took it upon themselves to lie to her about so many things related to me, which in turn led her to believe me even less after, less after I finally came clean to her about the lies I told you above. I should mention the stipulation for me to be released from the clinic was to go along with the lies my family had told her to poison my image that much more. <clears throat> While Sylvie says that the reason why she can't forget, forgive me is solely because of what I did, I can't help but feel that it's that it is all part of it. I will never be able to forgive myself for making Sylvie sad and betraying her trust in me. I care for her deeply and wish for an actual second chance with her and the room. I am willing to do whatever it takes to be able to show the real me to anyone and to build a relationship that doesn't involve lies. Everything between me and Sylvie grew so fast. I hate myself for what I did and I hate the thought of never getting to be with her again. After everything that I gave and everything that I tried to do with her, I just can't comprehend being without her. 
her. I am unable to function normally without her. Not hearing her good mornings or good nights. Not talking to her for hours a day. Not being a part of her room and her life outside of it. It's the most painful experience I've ever been through and I will never get out. I will never get over her and I never plan to simply replace her with the next one. I truly love this woman at first sight and I fell in love with her over the months that I got to know everything about her. She never believed that you could love someone so fast but I did. The truth of that fateful day is not known for certain. The prosecution however did present a most likely version timeline of the events based on the evidence they gathered from the investigation. They presented that Grant had been at home with his mum all day. She was working from home and so he decided to kill her first, approaching her from behind, aiming the gun at her head and firing. Grant's computer records show that he'd been active until 4.40pm, which is when he had likely murdered Margaret a minute or so after he'd come off the computer. After that, they presented evidence to show that Grant had lay in wait for his dad, Chad, whose phone signal ping showed him arriving home at 5.25pm and that's when Grant had killed him, shooting him twice. Finally, and there's actually conflicting accounts of how this exactly happened, whether it was Grant calling Cody at work and saying he needed him to come home because of these heated arguments between Grant and their parents, or that Grant had used Chad's fingerprint to open his phone message Cody and ask him to come home ASAP. Either way, this was around about 9.15pm and Cody headed back to the family home soon after. Now, rather than using the front door, he'd entered through the car garage door that led to the house, but he was shot before he'd even managed to close that door behind him, which relates to the blood spatter evidence I mentioned earlier. Just two hours after that final shot, Grant took Cody's phone and attempted to connect it to the computer and set it into recovery mode. Now, prosecutors allege that this was an attempt to delete all the evidence from the phone, specifically any calls from Grant to Cody on that day. Now, of course, Cody's girlfriend had a conversation with him before he left work that evening. And so she'd informed officers that Grant had asked Cody to come home. The prosecution presented specific evidence that showed Chad's bank app had been accessed by the use of his fingerprint on his phone a little after midnight, well after he had been shot. With this and the physical evidence taken from Chad's body, it showed that his index finger had been wiped clean, presumably to wipe off the blood to be able to access the bank app. Now, a little under three hours later... Grant's computer was connected to a public Wi-Fi server at a grocery shop nearby and he transferred $600 to himself. And he'd use that $600 pretty much straight away to gain access to his MyFreeCams account, log back in, so that he could talk to Sylvie. It may be unsurprising that Grant was found guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, during the victim impact statements, Grant's only living direct family member, Jason, did say that he would still love Grant. And I think this is really hard. Jason has lost every single member of his immediate family. And even though Grant was the reason for this, he is also the only link that he has to his mum, Margaret, and his dad, Chad, and brother, Cody. The fact that Jason was able to say he will still love Grant says absolutely nothing about Grant, but 
it says an awful lot about the kind of person Jason is. And I think highlights the differences, the incredible differences between two people brought up in the same household with the same family. Just like Cody, Jason seems to be this incredibly kind young man who only ever wanted the best for his brother, but sadly was met with the most heinous and horrific set of events by his own flesh and blood. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of Red Rum. I am a little bit ill. (coughs) You can probably tell I'm having to cut so many coughs out of this episode, but I hope that you can get through it. I hope you found it informative and interesting. And if you have any case suggestions, please write them down below. Also, have you heard of this case before? I had not heard of this case. I was absolutely fascinated when I started researching it. But within my research, I did find that there are hundreds of documentaries and articles and YouTube videos and podcasts and blog posts about this case. So I'm definitely late to knowing about it. Um, But I'd be really interested to know if you have heard of it. And as always, if you have a case suggestion, whack it down below. And I'll see you soon for another episode of Red Rum. Bye.